Hey everybody, Pastor Brian here, Senior Pastor at Burntwoods Church, and if you've listened to this podcast ever before, you know that we have new podcast music today, probably the only time I'll do this, but I was looking for some royalty-free podcast music because I've been using the same music for so long and I wanted to change things up this week and ran across some fiddle tunes that are in the public domain and I thought, why not? I love these fiddle tunes. This is called Arkansas Traveler, by the way, if you don't know. And I suspect you probably don't know and you're probably hoping it'll end soon. But it's making me smile. It's making me happy. You know, you probably think that I'm a giant hillbilly for putting this on here, but I mean, I just, you guys, some of you know that I played in bluegrass bands over the years and and uh, I used to want to be a fiddler. That was like my first goal. In fact, I was uh, I began playing the mandolin so I could learn how to play the fiddle because they're tuned and the same scales are the same. And I gave up the fiddle because Denise threatened to make me live outside if I kept playing the fiddle. And I was horrible at it and it just sounded bad. But I'm thinking maybe... Maybe now that I have a little more experience, I understand things a little bit better, and I can come over here to the church where nobody can hear me. Maybe I'll try playing the fiddle again. So, I don't know. You guys uh, can encourage Denise to put up with me if I try again. I won't make you listen to it, I promise. Um, I won't make you listen to this music anymore either, I promise, after today. But, um, hey, take 10 seconds and listen to it. This is awesome. Arkansas Traveler. I love that. I love that. Banjo picking, the mandolins chopping, the guitars there, the bass is in the background, and the fiddles are playing over top of it all. Just good stuff, good stuff. Anyway, um, I won't subject you to that every podcast, I promise, but I figured why not today. Um, There's so many things that I could talk about this week in our update. There's just so much going on in our world, and culturally, we had the, the... Democratic National Convention passed us by. We have the Republican National Convention going on right now. I thought about doing a podcast today on the subject of politics, but I think I'll wait on that. That, that That's coming. But let me just say this. Um, please honor Christ in everything you say and do through this political season. And remember that no matter who's elected in November, Christ will still be in control. He'll still be reigning. And you know, it's not going to escape his sovereignty. So that's, let's really remember that as we're going through this election season. And, and let's try not to devour one another in this time as well. Remember that we want our, our behavior to honor Christ at all times, even during and especially during election season. So we'll talk about politics some other time. But today, I do want to take a moment to update you on something you're probably aware of. You've probably been following the story about Jerry Falwell Jr. in the news. And I just felt like I should say something about this on the podcast, maybe address it here, and then I don't have to address it anywhere else. But, you know, Jerry Falwell Jr. is sort of a polarizing figure to begin with. He's a leader, the president of Liberty University, this large, uh, just giant Christian university in Virginia. And of course, the son of Jerry Falwell Sr., who was a monster in America, in the American evangelical world, and even in the political world as well. But Jerry Falwell Jr. took over after the death of his father, and uh, recently 
he was photographed or or a photograph surfaced of him with his wife's assistant on a boat like it wasn't any like they weren't doing anything um they weren't in a relationship together or anything like that they just happened to be at a party and he posed in a picture with her that was just inappropriate it just wasn't a good picture you can look it up if you want uh, you've probably seen it but it just wasn't a good picture it wasn't a wise move that got out and Jerry Falwell, because of the outcry about the picture and sort of what it was uh, signaling or whatever, he had to take a leave of absence, which I think was the right thing to do. I think if you're, first of all, you shouldn't be posting pictures or taking pictures like that anywhere if you're a follower of Jesus. But if you're the, the leader of the largest Christian university in the country, then good grief. I mean, what are you even thinking, putting yourself in a position like that? So he had to take a leave of absence, so I think that was a good thing. I didn't think he would make it back from that leave of absence anyway, but unfortunately things got much worse for him and his family and Liberty University um, this week, just yesterday. Actually, I guess it was Sunday night. He, Jerry Falwell Jr., gave an interview or or made a statement about the fact that his wife had had an affair with a young man in Florida and that the affair was something that they had worked through. He had forgiven her and they were moving on from it, but they wanted to make it public because this man, they said, was trying to extort money from them. So then apparently the man whom they also entered into some business dealings with, he released his side of the story which was not, uh, I'm not going to get into details, which is essentially that he was in a relationship, not a short relationship, but it lasted seven years with Jerry Falwell's wife, Becky Falwell, and that Jerry Falwell was complicit in it. Jerry Falwell Jr. was complicit in it and, and in fact, was, I guess you could say, encouraging it. And that came out and he resigned under the direction or encouragement of the the folks at the university, he resigned. He's no longer the president of that university. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I think here we have a big, giant, glaring example of why our behavior as Christians is so, so important when it comes to our witness as Christians. And I knew this was coming. I mean, I knew as soon as I heard about this, I knew that there was going to be all kinds of people just waiting to pounce on Jerry Falwell for his hypocrisy and for the Christian community in general, for their hypocrisy. You know, people were—I knew what was going to happen was people would say, look, these Christians— they're always telling us to do the right thing. They're always telling us what's wrong with us. They're always telling us that we shouldn't do this because it's sin. But the, honest, the truth is they're just all doing it anyway. They're all doing it behind closed doors, and now one of them has been caught. So, ha, we got you. And sure enough, that's what's beginning to happen. And I just want to share this clip with you because I, I looked at, I looked up a, um, a what the news was saying or what some folks were saying about this and and right away at the top of the feed came this um, this feed from a uh, uh, some news pundits just talking about Jerry Falwell and the situation. And I wish that you could see it visually because they're smiling, they're laughing, almost giddy about talking about this subject. But just listen to some of the things they say and think about 
what this teaches us about our behavior as Christians when the world is watching. I don't care what people do in their private sex life. I don't care. But this is a person who holds themselves out See, as a paragon right. of virtue and morals and ethics. And so there is an incredible level of hypocrisy. I would love to hear from a Liberty University student about the code of conduct they are expected exactly right. to follow. The Instagram photo alone would be like outrageously inappropriate based on their code of conduct at the university. And then we learn all these details. Yeah. That's why I wanted to cover this because I, he, Jerry Falwell has long weaponized kind of his role as this evangelical so-called leader and has been engaging in this type of conduct now for years. If you want to have moral authority on which to speak on, maybe don't engage in this type of behavior and business deals and all the other sketchy things that Jerry Falwell has done for so long. So I think it's important to cover this um, because you have to show that if these people are hypocrites, then that is why, it's, A, so many people are, so many people have abandoned leaders like Jerry Falwell now within Christianity now for so long. There's nothing that disgusts people more than when you're out there more moralizing yeah. and then the reality is so much different from what you are casting judgment on other That's people exactly and again i don't care like do what you're going to do in your life but don't go on and moralize and pretend you're holier than thou and you know completely contradict everything that you're holding out there and so there you go that's just a sample of what i'm sure you can find everywhere right now and what you'll be hearing from every direction is this guy who called himself a Christian, this guy who held people to a certain standard is now seems to be a guy who didn't live up to his own standards. Now, let me say this. Let me be clear. We don't really know all the facts, so I'm not passing a final judgment here. But what I am trying to do today is just give you an example of why it's so critical that we live above reproach, that we live a life that people around us can see that we really are living differently because of our faith in Jesus. Like, And it's not just about pictures on Instagram or things that we post on social media or big, huge scandals. It's about little things like how do you talk to your neighbor in the yard? Uh, how do you talk to the person at the grocery store? How do you act to the person who cut you off on the road? I mean, just little things like you know, we have to be consistent. The Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And then he says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So our lives are meant to be light, and they're meant to shine, and they're meant to... to shine in a way that people see what's going on in our lives and they give glory to our Father in heaven. So let, first of all, you know, we should pray for Jerry Falwell and his family and everybody who's being affected by this. Like, we shouldn't just criticize him. Some people don't like Jerry Falwell. Some Christians don't like Jerry Falwell. Um, they don't care for him as a as a person. But this is no time to, like, pile on or to – it's never appropriate, ever – to root for somebody's demise and or to cheer when it happens. So we should be praying for him and his family and Liberty University and everybody who's involved. But also let this be an example about 
our actions and the consequences of our actions and the consequences our actions ultimately have on our ability to share our faith with other people in a meaningful way where they can receive it because they've seen the evidence of it in our lives. Our lives are meant to be different. And so, you know, uh, we'll we'll follow the story. We'll see what happens next. But I'm just kind of hoping that Jerry Falwell, now that he's resigned, I hope that he takes the high road, works through uh, with his with his family and his church through whatever process he needs to to be restored, but it'd be great if he just sort of went private for a while and worked on those things. So we'll see. We'll 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 I'll keep you updated if there's anything new to hear on that. Um, speaking of different lives, here's the subject that I really wanted to share with you today, and I'll try to do this in the next ten minutes. I'm trying to get these weekly updates down to like twenty twenty five minutes. But I wanted to talk to you about the subject of mentors and having a mentor in your life and how important it is for all of us to have mentors in our lives. You know, a, a mentor, the definition of a mentor is, is you know, whether it's a, a noun, as a noun, it's an experienced or trusted advisor or someone to lead you, or as a verb, to mentor means to advise or to train and so you may have had mentors, certain mentors in your life, but we all need spiritual mentors, people who in our life can lead us and who can, who are experienced, who've gone before us, who've lived before us, who we can trust by the example and pattern of their life. We all need mentors in our life. And I wanted to talk to you about finding one particular type of mentor that can be really important and really life-changing. You know, I've had mentors in my life that were important to me. Like, I think the two most important mentors in my life, without a shadow of a doubt, one is my father. He's the most important mentor in my life, not just because we're both pastors, but because my father set a great example for me of what a husband should look like, how a husband should love his wife, he set a great example of how a father should love his children, how in ministry, his ministry was something that uh, that I still feel like was influential in my life and, and helped pave the way for me. So dad was and is an important mentor. He's ex- an experienced and trusted advisor. I had another mentor who passed away some years ago. His name was Roger Swanson. He came into my life for a very short time. But he was my first deacon chairman at the first church I pastored, Calvary Southern Baptist Church in Billington, West Virginia. And Roger, at the time, I don't know how old he was, but he was like a grandfather figure to me. But he loved me, and he showed me the ropes. He counseled me. He loved me even through my stupid mistakes that I made as a young pastor, I still make stupid mistakes, but Roger was an important mentor to me. And there have been others, but uh, it's important to have people in your life who you can go to for advice and who can uh, who you can lean on their experience. So I've got those in my life. I uh, think about other mentors who are people that I've never met. You can have mentors that you've never met. I think you should have mentors that you've never met. And I mean, those are the people that you read and you um, you read the things that they write. They may be influential teachers, things like that. Like for me, I think I have met this guy. I'll say I've never met him, but I actually have met him. 
uh, Jerry Vines, who is the pastor at First Baptist Church in Jacksonville. Uh, they call him the Prince of Expositors, one of the great preachers of the 20th century. And Jerry Vines was somebody that was a tremendous influence early on for me as a preacher. I don't I, I don't know a lot about him otherwise as far as, you know, other things that he did, but I listened to his preaching a ton. I used to go to work when I, I used to go to work with a you remember a walkman. I used to have a walkman. I used to take cassette tapes because my dad had boxes of Jerry Vine's cassette tapes. And I would take those cassette tapes to me when I was working as a carpenter. Take them out to the job site, and I was banging nails all day and carrying lumber. And I had my little headphones on with the, you know, the the little metal um, headpiece and the little foam ear pads. And and I'd listen to Jerry Vines preach early on, and when I was just starting to feel the call in my own life to preach, and he had a great influence on me. And I did get to meet him one time. I, I went to a a conference. He was speaking at a small conference, uh, preaching actually a seminar. It wasn't a conference, a seminar for pastors, and met him there. And I actually, through some just strange sovereignty of God, ended up with his desk. Uh, so I have in my office at my home, I have his desk, Jerry Vine's desk that he had when he was at Dolphin Way Baptist Church. And, and so I love to sit at that desk sometimes and just I don't, there's nothing mystical or magical about it, but I love to think about Jerry Vines preparing messages there, and and I'm preparing messages there too. So Jerry Vines was a great mentor for me for preaching. Um, John Piper, who's another, um, he's he's still alive. I've never met him, but another preacher who's been really influential influential in my life, but more so in the sense of his pastoral care for his people through preaching. What I, what I mean by that is he set an example for me about, as a pastor, what is my primary role? What's the most important thing I can do for my people? And what's the best way I can shepherd my people? And I, I love this. one A quote that he wrote in a book for pastors years ago really influenced me, where he said that he defined spiritual leadership as knowing where God wants people to be and taking the initiative to get them there by God's means in reliance on God's power. And the example he set for me to be able to pursue that kind of spiritual leadership is knowing that the means that God uses to get people where he wants them to be is God's word. And the power that God uses to to change people's life is in God's word. And so I've always been very focused on preaching, caring for my people through preaching the word faithfully. And John Piper set an example for me there. He's still an influence in my life. I still listen to him every week. I, I interact with him online. It's not not him personally, but I listen to him, uh, listen to his podcast, things like that. So he's a mentor in my life. But what I wanted to suggest to you today is that one of the best things you can do for yourself spiritually is to find yourself, and this may sound strange, but I think you, you've probably even heard this before in different contexts, but find yourself a dead mentor. So <laughs> that sounds so weird. Find yourself a mentor who's no longer alive, somebody who lived and completed their life, who ran the race and fought the fight, and they're gone now, and you can look back on their life and contribution, and you can think through that and use that person as a mentor in your life. So you can uh, choose somebody 
who led a life. Now, you got to be careful in the type of mentor that you choose or the person you choose to be your mentor because there are some people out there that uh, that you could choose to be a, your advisor, your leader, who would not be good choices. But choose somebody who lived a life that honored Christ. Choose somebody who lived a life that you would like to emulate. Choose somebody who left behind a body of teaching, uh, something that you can look back on or interact with and learn from and just sort of allow yourself to be influenced by that person's life and teaching. And there's something that's really cool. Um, Hey, that's a weird way to describe this, but something that's really great about choosing a mentor who's already lived and died in that if you choose a mentor who's already lived and died, you can choose a person that we know finished this life well. You know, there's always the danger. There's been so many men in ministry. I've been pastoring now for 15 years and preaching for 18 years, and uh, there have been a lot of guys who for a season were influencing me, and they have since fallen. In ministry, there have been moral failures. There have been things that uh, that happened that they just they just didn't finish well, and that's always a danger. But these guys who've gone on before us, or women who've gone on before us, can be wonderful mentors because we can see that they lived their life well, they honored Christ with their life, and they finished their life well. And so, I just kind of thought I would encourage you to find somebody like that in your life, and start reading or start listening to them. I mean, you could find somebody. Uh, from the 20th century who was a prominent Christian. If they lived in the 20th century, you can probably find plenty of audio. You can probably find things on YouTube. There's books. There's all kinds of things that you can find where you can interact with them that way and learn from them. And I'll tell you who mine is. I'll just tell you the the one man that has become my mentor that I've adopted as my mentor, as my dead mentor, is R.C. Sproul. R.C. Sproul, I think, was just one of the greatest minds that has ever lived in in Christian history, in church history. I think he's one of the greatest minds who who's ever lived, one of the greatest theologians that the church has ever had. And interestingly enough, he comes from a different background than me. He's a Presbyterian. I'm I grew up as a Baptist. I'm a Baptist, and and uh, I've always. Uh, known that we have differences, the more I know about him, the more I grow, the more I know that we have big differences on some issues about how we see the church and how we understand the structure of the church, and even some certain, uh, there are certain doctrines that I would disagree with him on, but nonetheless, I allow him to be a mentor to me. I, I learn from him. I learn about teaching the Bible from him. I learn about his passion for God's holiness and loving God. I learned those things from him. And so I allow him to be my mentor and I interact with him, try to read his books, try to listen to his sermons, uh, and then try to emulate the things that I see that are good in him. And so I suggest that you find a dead mentor. That's my big word of advice for you this week is find somebody who's gone on before you, who's run the race, who's fought the fight, who's finished well, and sort of let that person be an influence in your life. Interact with them and be influenced by them. And I think that that will really, really bear some fruit in your life. Of course, the most important mentor any of us have 
is Jesus in that sense. You know, we want to we want to interact with Jesus in the word. We want to read about his life, we want to study his life, we want to get to know him and emulate him. So, I'm not saying that that there's any more important mentor in that sense than Jesus, but I do think that you would do well to find a person who's gone on before you and let them be your mentor in this life or maybe just for a season of your life. Maybe you just need somebody to influence you for a season of your life. To Maybe you're dealing with struggles, and you can find somebody that lived through similar struggles, and you can allow them to mentor you through that by, by witnessing their life and their teachings. But anyway, I thought that that might just be a helpful word for you this week to find a mentor. Have mentors who are living. Have mentors who are mentors that you don't get to interact with personally, but they still influence you. But maybe the most important, or or maybe beyond living mentors, the most important mentor mentors that we can have in our life are those who are gone, and we can still learn from them. So I want to suggest that you do that. That will help you in your Christian walk. I guarantee it. And if you need some suggestions for people uh, that I would, I would suggest, come and see me, email me, talk to me. I'd love to give you some suggestions. So that's my word for today. I'll give you some more of my hillbilly music as we finish up this podcast today. You can listen to that. Um, You can laugh at me or get on me for that when you see me next time. But listen, I hope you have a wonderful week this week. I hope the rest of your week is better than any weeks that have come before. I hope you have your best week yet this week. I hope you're living your life in a way that honors Christ in every single thing that you do. And I hope, the Lord willing... I'll get to see you on Sunday as we start a new, um, well, I don't want to say we start a new series because we're not. We're still in First Peter, but we're really going to get into a subject that's a big, big subject this week in First Peter chapter 1. It's, it's going to be a subject that really could change the way you see everything and the way that you understand God and, and yourself. So I hope, Lord willing, I'll see you Sunday and, uh, and we'll get together for worship then. All right. Have a great rest of your week. See you soon.